Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Positive Talk Podcast with co-hosts Julie Homridge and Chuck Allen. They are in Season 2, merging faith and psychology, and you picked a great day to join in the conversation. At Positive Talk Podcast, a licensed therapist and a pastor join voices to help us all discover a more peaceful and purpose-filled life. So settle in and join Julie and Chuck for this week's episode of the Positive Talk Podcast. Hi, everybody. It's a great day to find an encouraging and positive word here at the Positive Talk Podcast. And thanks so much for that introduction. It's always so kind. Today's topic, Julie, is change. Change, yes. I mean, let's face it. The, the world changes all the time. Mm-hmm. I'd be willing to say zero percent of our listeners rode a horse to the office today. Yeah, <laughs> probably right? not. I'm relatively sure nobody called their their spouse or their parent this morning on a rotary dial or even phone. a flip phone or maybe. even a flip phone yeah. yeah 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 matter of fact most people don't even have a landline mm-hmm. right so things change right and i have discovered uh over all these ridiculously many now gray-haired years <laughs> that change happens it's it's when change feels like it's done to us that it gets really awkward yeah you know, forced change becomes really challenging. And yeah. I, I once heard that not everything that is faced can be changed, mm-hmm. but nothing can be changed until it's faced. Until you face it. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is kind of the heart of what this Positive Talk podcast is all about, mm-hmm. is how how do you lean into those circumstances in your life, mm-hmm. and then rather than trying to avoid them or run from them, try to figure out, okay, what is the positive way through them? Right. 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 But when it comes to change, you know, that great philosopher Yogi Berra once said, mm-hmm. nobody likes change except for a baby. Baby. And so, even then, yeah, and even some then, babies will fight that diaper change. Yeah. I have a, I have a grandson who, uh, when it comes to change in the diaper, this is when he goes ballistic. Yeah. So that Yogi may have been right on that either. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's true, Chuck. I mean, the nature of life itself is that it changes moment right. by moment. I mean, the very essence of this minute passing into the next minute, it shows that we can't avoid change. So if there is one fact that stays consistent, it's that change is one of the cornerstones of our existence. Right. I mean, people grow older, relationships are usually either getting closer or maybe fizzling out a bit. Um, the sports team that won last year may not win again this year, although we hope that Atlanta I, and Georgia I, will come through I'm again. relatively sure they will. But we might not like change, but when we add resistance to it and set up a battle mm. with change itself, that leaves us stuck in a world that's moving forward wow. with or without us. So change is inevitable and it happens through three avenues. And you kind of touched on this earlier. It happens through choice, chance, or crisis. Okay, so let me just stop there and say, I want to go back just a second. I, I believe the way you put it was when we add resistance to change mm-hmm. and we set up the battle with change itself, itself. Maybe, maybe not the object that is at the center of mm-hmm. it, but change itself, that is what leads us to being stuck, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But then when, when you mentioned these three Cs, choice, chance, crisis, mm-hmm. All of a sudden, now we have to determine where does that resistance come from, right? Yeah. I mean, at some point, that has to be 
an awareness. Yeah. Well, and I think we will be much more apt to embrace the change when it comes, if it comes through our choice. Absolutely. Like you mentioned earlier. Yeah. However, we do live in a broken world and we will encounter change through the actions of others or just the environment around us. Mm -hmm. So we can resist the very nature of change itself or we can take a more active ownership role and look for the change that will be positive in our lives and then be bro proactive in initiating right. it. So we walk through changes much more gracefully when we stop resisting it and we actually trust in the process of change and the purpose behind it. So when we when it comes to change and we realize that the world's changing all around us is never nothing's ever static truly. Yeah. But when we choose to become static, we're almost picking a war with change. With change itself, yeah. And so it's, when I think of change in my own life, now I'm one of those people that wakes up and thinks, what can I change today? Right, me All right? too. So I, you know, that, that's not always healthy. Maybe we're not. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, honestly, I have family members and staff members who wake up every day and think, how can I keep Chuck from changing Changing something today? today. <laughs> yeah, right. keep it the same. So, but I really do believe this statement is true. The only way to make sense out of change mm -hmm. is to plunge into it, move with it, and then join the dance. Right. Right, because yeah. change is... I, I know I'm speaking to a therapist here, mm -hmm. okay? But change in so many ways is always about what's happening in our brain. Mm -hmm. And many times we make it about a physical attribute, mm -hmm. but it's still about the brain. Yeah, our brains are constantly changing That's every right. moment we get new information. So, uh, But it also can send an alert to us that says, wait a minute, this change is dangerous. Mm -hmm. So as we try to wrap our head around this, trying to trying to choose how to allow change mm -hmm. to better us, yeah. better our surroundings in life, that's the big battle, right? Right. And I think choosing to make a change in our lives does require us to take an active role in our present and our future. So when people come to me and, and they're resistant to change or somebody in their life is resistant to change, we don't immediately tell them why they should change or you know what they're missing out on by mm -hmm. not changing. We actually look at what's preventing them from changing. So we look at the so blocks good. first. What is blocking you? And I find that there are many things uh, that block people from being being open to the concept of change in and of itself. We may believe that we don't have the power or the follow through to change something. So we think, well, I might as not, might as well not even try. Mm. Um, alternatively, on the opposite end of the spectrum, we may even be scared of success and how that would change the relationships around us or right. others' perceptions of us. So I think for some people, and I see this more in women, but it does happen in men too, this idea of staying small feels quite comforting to people. We might fear other people's jealousy, or maybe we've been told that being liked is more important than being ourselves. Mm. So we try not to take up too much space in the world. Um, we may also want to avoid the discomfort that comes with change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we forget that, yes, there is discomfort that comes with change, but there's also discomfort that comes with staying the same when things need to change. So uh, one of the things that I, I really am passionate about, Julie, and it's one, of the, it's, it's one of the things that I think the partnership we have both with the Positive Talk podcast, with Clear Path Counseling, and some of the teaching and writing and what we do is understanding that most all of us have to deal with limiting beliefs. 
Right. I have this limiting belief that I actually would change, mm-hmm. that I actually could change, that mm-hmm. things could be better. Mm-hmm. And as a result, those blocks that you're talking about, it's almost as though we do need a blocker to go ahead of us. Mm-hmm. But that's, to me, where being able to have a mindset that can step into change, it is almost like it. It's like if I can take two steps into change, it's almost like change itself can help propel me through that. Yeah. But now on the on the faith side, the Christian faith side with me, I'll have folks that uh, are struggling deeply with change. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that change is because they want everything around them to change mm-hmm. uh, or the belief that everybody around them should change. Should change, yeah. Which is, is a, a little bit like you know, Mm self-righteousness, where the ability that how can these people not see that I'm right? Right. And so that seems to be a block, Mm -hmm. but I know there there are plenty more. But I've heard you say this, that change in and of itself requires readiness. Yeah. Well, and that's that first step. I mean, our mindsets have to be open to the concept of change. And then we we need to be ready for it. I mean, you don't change if you don't want to. And even if you want to, sometimes people aren't ready to change yet. Right. I hear people asking me all the time in session, okay, so how do I know if this person is ready to change? Usually this is about like a boyfriend or a girlfriend yeah, yeah, yeah. or a spouse. I mean, we when we want change in ourselves or in someone close to us, we can almost kind of get into this place of desperation, just trying so hard to make it happen mm. for them. And I think the reality check is that, of course, we know this. We can only change ourselves. But if we seek consistently to be the main or the only change agent in someone's life, that sets us up for trouble. And mm. here's why. If we do that, then once the change happens and they did it because of us, then we will either be held in the role of savior if that change works out for them or villain if it doesn't work out for them. So either they're going to glorify us or they're going to blame us. So neither one of those roles sets the stage for healthy relationships. right? Right. So even though change, it's a deeply personal decision that we can't control in others, I think identifying someone's readiness to change can help inform us. Absolutely. It can help us make decisions about our relationship with them or how to support them in the process of change. And there's actually a guide that we therapists use to determine whether someone is ready for change. Okay. So it's called the trans-theoretical model of behavior change. But I'm going to shorten it. Your face is like, I wish wow, that's if, a lot if of letters. people could see in the studio right now, my eyes got as big as saucers <laughs> when it came to trans-theoretical model of behavioral change. Yes. We're going to shorten it here to stages of change model. Okay. I can handle that. Yes. Okay. So I do have a couple of questions about this though. Mm-hmm. And that is, um, one, the simple recognition that we can only change ourselves is... That alone is radically changing a life. Mm-hmm. The the concept that um, I mean, we live in a world today that that wants us to have a villain. Yeah. And if we have a villain, then we can be right and they can be wrong. Mm-hmm. And then we like to gather people around us that agree with us. Yeah. And then we have a posse that's right and mm-hmm. they're wrong. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, it's well, then it just grows into hatred. Yeah. But change like healthy change, Mm -hmm. I think it is as captivating or more captivating 
than the hate model. Yeah. If someone has the ability to lean into it and know, okay, it's possible, matter of fact, even probable, that if I could lean into change, my personal life might see it all differently. Yeah. Everything. Mm -hmm. This has happened in my life. Mm -hmm. I went from a person that truly, Julie, was just terminally certain of all things. Mm-hmm. You know, and not just because of my youth. But Terminally certain. Absolutely. But but through change, through help mm-hmm. to come to the awareness that often that terminally certain person like me who didn't want to change mm-hmm. because I was so certain mm-hmm. that when I became, a, when I had the ability to see a bigger, broader view of not just my world, but the world. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, change became almost as addictive to me as certainty, and then I had healthier relationships. Mm-hmm. I had a better, I had a better perspective on my future, mm-hmm. and I had a healthier per- perspective on me. Yeah, like what are my limitations, and what can I do, and how do I stay in my, how do I stay in my healthy lane? In, the, in your lane. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting because when we think about just the stages of change in general, they sometimes we think that it's linear, right? We think, okay, right, so yeah, but it's not. It's not linear. Yeah. There, it's actually they move in a cyclical way, like a circle, because we are we are always changing, right? Um, and we're going through layers of deeper change in areas of our lives, and then, but Chuck, we're also getting off track, right? We try to change and it doesn't right, quite work out right. as we hoped. And then we got to go back to it. And then we need to go through the stages again. Now, that long word that we talked about earlier that we're just going to shorten to a stages of change model, there's actually about six steps to it. So I can't wait to hear these. I'm going to walk us through so it. So I'm, I'm going to stall for a minute, mm-hmm. okay? Because I, I want our listeners to be able to grab pen, pencil, lipstick, or mascara to basically write this down, okay? <laughs> your notes app in your phone. Yeah, yeah, because I really do think these stages and the awareness of these stages can be such a catalyst to embrace change. Yeah, yeah, and we're going to talk about it this week, and we're going to go into a little bit more detail about it next week, but if you can conceptualize the stages of change, then you can help recognize which stage you're in, mm-hmm. and then you can move into the next stage um, in a way that's a little bit more fluid. So good. So here are the stages of change, and I'm going to say them first, and then we'll go into detail about them. There is pre-contemplation, mm-hmm. then contemplation, then we move to preparation, action, maintenance, and relapse, okay? Mm. So those are the stages of change, and they don't go in a straight line. They go more like in a circle, and I'll explain more about that in a minute. Now, pre-contemplation, if we were to shorten that into one word, that would be called the no phase, okay? So this is when someone isn't even considering change. Yeah, this is not the K-N-O-W. This no, is the N-O-W, this is the right? N-O. Yeah. Yes, that's a good good distinction there. So maybe in this stage of change, they haven't even identified a change is needed. Or maybe they've identified it, and they've determined that change would require too much of them. Mm. I think about my little cousin um, who was trying to get the popsicle from the freezer, and her mom was like, you know, you can't have that popsicle. You're going to have to go to timeout. And she just yelled back, get the chair ready. Like she was not. <laughs> She was not ready to change, right? She just she was in that in that phase. Um, the next stage of change is called contemplation. 
So this can be shortened to one word, the maybe phase, okay? So this is when someone's considering change, but they haven't quite made up their mind yet. And we get in this place a lot. I mean, this is when we feel ambivalent, right? right? Kind of that, I feel this on the one hand, but I feel this on the other hand. And I think sometimes, I mean, it's, it's a tough place to be in when you feel ambivalent. And I think sometimes I hear people a lot judging themselves for feeling these two opposing things at once. Right. But I always encourage them that it's really okay and it can be very positive to feel ambivalence because it is the step right before life change. Mm. So hear me on this. You must be discontent in some way in order to make a change. So pay attention to that discontentment because it could be signaling where your next life change needs to I be. I feel like you're just so on point today. I mean, you're just, you're killing it. This thought, you must be discontent in some way to make a change is so so true. Yeah. Well, and that discontentment is what leads us to want to do something different, right? So after we move from contemplation and, and we've kind of decided that we're going to make a change, we move into the next stage of preparation. So this is when the planning and the preparing happen. So this is when, for me, when I decide to run a half marathon, I'm buying the new running shoes. Mm -hmm. I'm planning the you know running schedule. I'm, I'm kind of you know getting everything ready. And preparation is one of the key stages of change when outsiders, like family and friends, can really help their yeah. loved ones. So they've seen the need, they've made the decision to change, and this is that time where they may really need some support in the how. How yeah, to? Yeah, how do yeah. I make this change? So preparation is uh, uh, being geeky about a lot of things in my life. <laughs> preparation is my favorite, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. um, so when I knew that I needed to move more, mm -hmm. uh, the first thing I did was. Okay, this sounds so silly. I know it does, but I literally would lay my shoes, socks, uh, shorts, and T-shirt out. Same. Knowing that if it's there, mm -hmm. I'm going to do that. I do that every night before I have yeah. to work out in so the morning. So I've had to learn to do that with breakfast. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I have to go ahead and have everything ready to make it so simple, so easy. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like I've turned. You know, Steve Jobs would just wear jeans and the and the black. Right, right. You know, Keep it simple. He just simplified. Mm -hmm. I have to do that to prep prepare for change. Yeah. Well, that makes sense because our brains can only tolerate so much change at once. Yeah. So it, you don't need to be taking up a bunch of brain power trying to make all of those decisions. So here's a question. Is it possible to help people move from considering change to this next phase of preparing to change? Because so many times we see people who want to help their ambivalent loved ones move into a positive decision, but can that actually, can you actually accelerate that mm -hmm. for someone? Mm -hmm. Or help influence it. And that's yeah. a great, great question, Chuck. And I see that all of the time, people constantly asking, you know, they're, they're so uncertain. I want to help them get to a place of, of decision, right? Mm -hmm. um, so even though that decision ultimately does have to be theirs, we can engage in something hmm. that therapists call motivational interviewing. So this is the process of helping people identify their reasons for change right. versus their reasons for not changing. Mm and then helping them move toward a decision. So we're gonna discuss that in a little bit more detail next week, so don't miss it. You know, I this whole concept of change to me feels, um, it feels like it should be simple, but it's so complex. Mm -hmm. 
And it's complex, not only because of the uniqueness of us as individual people, it's complex because rarely does change affect only me. Oh, absolutely. And so when, when I think about, look, when I, I went back and I highlighted a couple of notes that you made that was this planning and preparing when it comes together and how we do that, how, how we help people do that feels like there has to be some empathy within us to help mm. them succeed yeah, or to feel the pain that they're in from. that's creating the need for change. Absolutely, right? yeah. But the motivation that I've discovered, and I, you know, I grew up a, as an athlete. As a matter of fact, the older I get, the better I once was. But um, I, <laughs> that's, uh, that's I, tweetable, Chuck. Yeah, that's that tweetable. is. That's tweetable. So, <laughs> but the, the thing is that I've learned that some folks truly do need you to kind of just kind of get in their space a little bit mm -hmm. to motivate them. Mm -hmm. But most people need an empathetic voice mm -hmm. that steps in there to with just the right amount of encouragement that's not false, but just, how can I help you do this? I'm, I'm proud of you. Mm -hmm. Well, and check you, you don't even know what we're talking about next week in terms of motivational interviewing, but you just spoke about it very hmm. intelligently. Um, and that well, you said that like it was shocking that I spoke <laughs> about it intelligently. No, it's just like you can, you can see the future. I don't know. Listeners, <laughs> I want you to know that I think what my friend and partner, Julie, just did was gave me a backhanded compliment. <laughs> and just know that I'm deeply wounded and that next week's topic could be my session. So just... We're going to have to make some changes okay, around got here. It. All right. Um, so... Come on, that's funny. The next stage, that was absolutely a front-handed compliment. <laughs> <laughs> the next stage, we're gonna move, moving along in the change process. The next stage of change is the action stage. Right. So this is the do part, right? So this is when we're actually running the miles in the race. Uh, we're taking that, you know, SAT. We're pursuing the new hobby. And action, it's exciting and it's meaningful, but it's not the end of the story. So from action, we have to move into the next stage, which is maintenance, which I think can be sometimes the hardest part for most of us. I think I, I know it's the hardest part for me. It can be for me too. Uh, being a person that likes change and likes to instigate change, not just in my life, but in the organizations that I'm a part of. But what I have learned with that is that Nothing truly meaningful happens in change that isn't able to be sustained. Mm -hmm. So few things in life are an event. Yeah. Most all of life is the ability to continue. That's why it's cyclical, not linear. Right. It's it's why we have to, it's not like I can check a box and I'm done with that part of change mm -hmm. because it keeps rolling around every day, yep. which is where some of the, the ability to be completely at ease with not knowing every piece of it is so essential here Yeah, to be comfortable with that because the maintenance concept is, uh, it's, it's why it's, that's why we brag about losing 20 pounds, mm -hmm. but we don't brag about, we kept it off for a year. Right. Right. And that is the important part, you know, in maintenance, that's where we, we keep going, right? right we don't just right. make the change, but we keep going. And like you said, sustained life change, it doesn't just require us to make the change. It requires us to keep making the change every day. But, okay, but this is, uh, I would imagine that as a therapist, and I know as a pastor, uh, I deal with this every day. Mm -hmm. and, and that is somebody who can say, I don't think I can keep living like this. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is 
sometimes it's in a real healthy way. Mm-hmm. Like there's enough, there's something in them that's saying, okay, I need to change. Yeah. Often I find that the change itself created a desire for a different change. Mm. You know, it's like, okay, I started the, I started off on this journey. What I didn't realize was the big issue in my life was forgiveness. Yeah. And it was almost like I needed to take a detour so that I could get back to sustaining because there was something that somewhere in there, the divine put this in our path and said, let's deal with this now so you can continue the journey. But an openness to that has to be a big deal. Yeah, well, and we're gonna talk about next week that we are in one area of the stage of change in within different areas of our life. So for example, I was talking about this in my exercise journey. I am in probably more of a maintenance stage of change right now. Whereas in my healthy eating journey, I'm more in the pre-contemplation contemplation, right? So we are all in different stages of change in different areas of our life. And like you said earlier, Chuck, when we change, that causes change to the relationships around right, us as right, well. Right, 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 right. So I think to wrap up, we can also talk about a really important part of the stages of change, and this is what happens after maintenance. So mm-hmm. sometimes we think, okay, maintenance is the final stage, but that's not true. In the stages of change, the final stage um, before you circle around again is called relapse. So mm-hmm. this is when we kind of fall off the wagon in our change commitment. Now the great news is that when this happens, and I say when, because it will happen in most cases, mm-hmm. guess what? We go through the stages yet again, but usually in a much faster way. Right. Okay, so we now know our reasoning for change. We've weighed the pros and cons. We've prayed about it. We've experienced the life change in some capacity. Mm-hmm. And so we're oftentimes more ready to jump back into action and maintenance again. Right, right. So when clients slip up or they make a mistake and they're judging themselves and they're being really hard on themselves, and I'm just like, you know what? You know more this time around. And you can use all that information to help you as you get back into action. So good. Yeah, so I think it's important to normalize this whole lapse part because like we've talked about, change isn't linear, it's circular. We change, we lapse, we prepare again, act again, maintain again. And here's what's wonderful about this. Over time, our action and maintenance phases actually get longer and longer where we're living out the change, right? And our pre-contemplation, contemplation, and preparation times get shorter and shorter. Mm. So this is when we see sustained life change in the long run, even though we don't have to do it perfectly every right, time. Right, So when I look back at this, and I think to myself as I look back at it, you made the statement that it's so important to normalize this lapse because change isn't linear. And I know we keep coming back to this, but I think it's so critical. Mm-hmm. We we live in a society, and I'm part of it, that loves a good list. Yeah. You know, to the point that the first thing I like to put on my list is to make a good list. Yeah, <laughs> check it off. Yeah, it's just the dopamine hit of checking it off, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is when we see change as a list and we treat internal change like a project at work, mm. we can forget that, again, very very little meaningful change happens through an event. Mm-hmm. It is an it is an ever present knowledge and desire to lean into the change. The process. It yeah. really is, and you know, in in my office, just in a faith practice, part of what I encourage people to do, and you've heard us say this on the podcast for a full year now, is the concept that truly 
when we can start down when we can start down the path of being able to say, you know, the kind of person I desire to be, mm-hmm. that alone is some step toward preparation of change. Yep, that's preparation. And when you write it down, then you have the ability to come back to that when when you hit that that relapse stage. Yes. I can come back to that and say, but you know, my desire is still, I want to be that person. Mm -hmm. And that does shorten, like you said, the whole cycle again, which allows, when you shorten that cycle, you're actually running at a little faster pace of change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you don't have to go back to square one. I think that's what's so beautiful about it. Sometimes people think it's all or nothing, but it's not. So as we prepare for next week, I want to leave our, our listeners with this wonderful thought about change, that change when we see it through a healthy perspective, can always be beneficial to us, mm-hmm. even when it feels like it might be being in that process of being done to us. Yeah, yeah. You know, it can be healthy for us, mm-hmm. even when you might feel like it's being done to you. Right. Um, but it's all how we approach that with with our mind. Right. So give us a, just a little teaser for next week, Julie, about where we're going with change in week number two. I am still captivated by these stages mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and know that that maintenance stage is it's such a big deal. Yeah. And I think it helps for people who like to have uh, at least some kind of structured understanding, mm-hmm. even though we're going to ebb and flow through these through these stages, um, to be able to kind of identify, okay, maybe I'm in this stage. I think it could be helpful for because pe- then people know, okay, what can I do within it? Right. We're going to discuss that a little bit more next week, and we're also going to discuss how to help our family and friends, and most importantly, ourselves, move from contemplation to preparation. This yeah. is when you have that question of, gosh, like how do I, you know, help somebody in my life get to a place where they're ready to make a change? Or how do I help myself get to a place where I've been thinking about it for a long time, but I want to move forward? Right. This is how we move from maybe to, oh, I'll give it a try. Yep. And we're also going to discuss how, as I talked about earlier, we can be in different stages of change in different areas of our lives. I think that will be a great conversation. And one of the areas that I think we'll tackle at some point is uh, if you're a person of faith mm-hmm. and you wrestle and, and deal with change, here's the question I always get. Pastor, how can I be sure that this is God's will for my life? Yes. And, and just quite frankly, all the books you can read and all the pastors you can speak to, if someone tells you with certainty, this is how you can know, they're probably lying. Yeah. Right? Because mm-hmm. that's between you and, and your God. creator. Yeah. But at the same time, there are some steps we can take to challenge that mm-hmm. and come to a healthy decision. Because I, I, think, a, I think trying to attach certainty mm-hmm. to God's will mm-hmm. is really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Because the will of God is rarely like flowing water. It will rarely follow the path of least resistance. Yeah. It will splat you up against a boulder every now and then. Yeah. And that can, in our humanity, cause us to say no thanks to that change. Mm-hmm. But again, healthy change is always healthy. Yeah. So I, I'm so grateful for today and from Julie and I. Thank you for being such faithful and loyal listeners. You guys are, you blow us away by how this show continues to grow every week. And we thank you so much for sharing it with friends and family, and especially folks you might think could really benefit from a conversation with Julie Homrich, a psychotherapist, and me 
a simple little pastor, as we merge faith and psychology, believing we can all live a far more peace-filled and purposeful life. And we'll be back next week and tackle change a little bit more. And remember, you can always find all of season one and season two of the Positive Talk podcast on our website at positivetalkpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at positivetalkpodcast. Thanks so much for listening in. Go in peace and have the greatest week. Thanks again for joining us for this week's episode of the Positive Talk Podcast. Julie and Chuck will be back next Thursday with another positive conversation as they merge faith and psychology. Have a great day, and as always, go in peace.